About Them Cowboys is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Cowboys ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Let me tell you about this really simple app called GameTime. It tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Plus, you can rest assured you can check out the view from your seat right there on the app. It's a simple two-step checkout process. It could not be any easier. In fact, more than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So head over to the App Store or Google Play, download GameTime, and score some awesome deals on last-minute tickets. On the line with us is head coach Doug Peterson. Hi, Doug. Good morning, Angelo. Did it help you at all that Dallas lost? Anytime Dallas loses, it helps. <laughs> you know, because here's the thing. It, yeah. This is, you know, I know the sky's falling outside. Yes. You know, it, it's, it's falling, and, and I get that. And the fans are, are, are reeling just a little bit. But, but you know, we, we're going down to Dallas, and our guys are going to be ready to play. And we're going to win that football game. And when we do, we're in first place in the NFC East. We control our own destiny. We're right where we need to be. <laughs> We don't need inspiration from them to go out there and play hard. This rivalry is enough, and honestly, we don't give a fuck what Doug Peterson says. Only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed? Cows win, cows win, cows win. Dallas Cowboys' turnover machine is finally in operation as the Hot Boys take away the ball four times to survive the Philadelphia Eagles and control their own destiny. For now. Welcome back in to another post-game overreaction edition of About Them Cowboys. Kent Garrison here, sitting in the Lauren Michaels chair, as I assemble our incredible panel of Cowboys experts to go well beyond the box score here at The Athletic. And so, without further ado, I welcome back Dallas Maverick prospect Saad Youssef, the godfather of Cowboys coverage, father John Mishota, and our resident Cowboys radio pro here, Kevin KT Turner. And Kevin, as we dive into this game, for me, it all started with those two costly turnovers by the Eagles that let the Cowboys go up 14-0 almost immediately in this game. So do you think if that doesn't happen, we're looking at a completely different game? You know, I think uh, that's what we said about the, the New Orleans Saints game that they lost. And that's what we said about the Packers game that the Cowboys lost. And it really felt like within about six minutes of that game, the Cowboys had dispelled every narrative about this football team. Can't get turnovers. Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen, and all those things. Zeke, uh, all these things that have been been talked about. It's like, well, they handled that with about nine minutes left in the first quarter. Um, So I I don't know what what you guys thought. I I think that's – it was – a, obviously, the Cowboys had to have that one. And I, I, I really think that game was more important to the Cowboys than it was the Eagles just because of the funk that they were in and things like that. I was, I thought it was interesting that another thing happened. The Cowboys got a call on that first drive, uh, the pass interference on Cheeto that was called, and then they finally discussed it and said, no, nope, no, that was huge. And on the next play, Jalen comes over, uh, completed pass to Dallas uh, Goddard, and Jalen hits him, and he was kind of uh, woozy. And then uh, Malik Collins recovers it. And my goodness, the Cowboys got a turnover on the first drive. That never happens. Yeah, or just turnovers in general. Like when that yeah. started happening, I was like, oh, this is what that's like? I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, you just find yourself almost like rolling your eyes at the last couple of weeks when 
you know, on Thursdays we get the coordinators and Chris Richard just keeps talking about how, oh, you know, they come in bunches. These turnovers come in bunches. And you just feel like you've been hearing this over and over again. You're just like, yeah, maybe they will, but it'll be in like, you know, the next game against Washington or against the Giants or something like that. That really doesn't matter. To have them in, in such an opportune time like that, you know, Zeke said after the game, he's like, you get two turnovers like that early in the ball game. Uh, it's almost hard to lose that game. Um, obviously, the refs could help out the other team, as we saw at the Green Bay-Detroit game. But um, just the fact that they got those turnovers, it was like you just knew that it's, we haven't seen that this year at all. And, and because they were able to do I knew that the offense would, would take care of their end of it. And it, it just – you know, when I was leaving the stadium, I was just thinking to myself, like, I'm not including playoff wins or anything like that, but just in the regular season, it was the most impressed that I've been watching a Cowboys regular season game since maybe 2016 and that Packers and those Steelers games. Because, I mean, yeah, it was impressive they beat the Saints last year, but it was a much closer type game. And, and I mean, you can put that in the argument, but uh, this one's right up there with it. I mean, that was that's about as good as the Cowboys have played in the re- regular season in a long time. Yeah, and it was also everything that you know, everything that came before it. Whether it was the the comments from uh, Doug Peterson, the responses in the in the locker room, and and you know, after the game yesterday, I asked Jalen Smith about just uh, about Demarcus Lawrence and and you know what he the the kind of mantle that he carries in that locker room and and how much they rally behind him. And he's like, you know, he doesn't just talk the smack; he actually backs it all up too. And you know, when we talked last week. Um, about the guys that need to step up. Demarcus Lawrence was on that list, and um, you know him, Jalen Smith, they all stepped up. So it was the guys that needed to step up. It was the guys that were talking, the guys that were doing all that that kind of you know uh, made an impact. And, and so I, I agree that that was probably the biggest win they've had in, in a long time. Yeah, you know that's a good point though. You talk about the guys that needed to step up because I even think you can say that about Ezekiel Elliott. You can say that about Leighton Vanderesh. Yeah. Uh, I know Byron wasn't really tar- targeted as much, but like Malik Collins, like there's a bunch yeah. of guys that I really felt like, you know, stepped up and, and they really needed to. I think uh, it's also very interesting because, you know, after the three game losing streak, the nature of those three losses, how they happened, we're kind of doing that whole bit of uh, the whole Jason thing. It's like, oh, well, what if they what if they quit on him, which they haven't. They, they still haven't done that. But what if they quit like that team did in – and uh, Green Bay in 09 or 010 or whatever, or 2010 or whatever year that was. And everyone's like, well, they would have to go. At least I, I truly thought if the Cowboys got beat 37 10 last night, that Garrett would be fired today. Like, personally, I, I really thought that was going to be the, the patience that had kind of run out. Maybe that was a little emotional in hindsight. Maybe 37 10 victory saves the day. But I do think that's where this thing that we've talked about in terms of the value of Jason Garrett. Jason's not the GM or anything, but he does have say in assembling the team, and he has assembled a good group of guys who will not quit. That's not in their DNA. And whatever you want to say about those three losses, it ain't due to effort or giving a damn, you know, things like that. So I just think it's kind of funny after that third loss last week, we were going, well, what does Jason bring to the table here? I don't really know. Is Jason a problem? You know, if, if they quit on him like they did Wade, then maybe he's gone. And they came out and just stuck it to the Eagles. And his teams are prepared. Um, I don't know if they get the best advantage schematically, but his teams are ready to play uh, on a week-to-week basis. So I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting, just given all the discussions leading up to the game. 
Yeah, and, and hey, you know, Jerry Jones after the game said that's the number one box that he looks at with Jason Garrett, by the way. He said um, that he looks at um, how hard they play for him. And so um, that's, a, that's a great point, KT, because um, it, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, Jerry kind of uh, doesn't, I mean, Jerry doesn't look at Jason the way um, I think, you know, the Saints look at Sean Payton where there has to be a schematic advantage or something. Jerry said that's the and that's the number one box that he looks at is how hard they play for him, and they're still playing for him. And I don't think they'll stop. What do you guys think about that? Obviously, get a bye week, get healthy, uh, four and three, the Giants coming up. Let's move on, and I know, John, you'll have an article uh, posted uh, that's always a great one uh, on the five key plays. So the Cowboys get the ball for the first time in opposing territory, which is another thing that had kind of been talked about all week. <laughs> you know, like, man, they got to get better field position. Well, somehow that's got to lead to turnovers. And, you know, one thing after another. And then, boom, they get that turnover, get the ball in the Eagles' 45-yard line. And, man, we'd been calling for a little bit of Tony Pollard, at least on this podcast. I know we were dying to get Tony Pollard and Blake Jarwin more involved. Man, what a great play design on the fake to Pollard and then the pitch uh, to Tavon Austin for the touchdown to take the 7 nothing lead. Yeah, it's funny. I, I just posted it, um, and <laughs> I, I can't – like the five key plays all happen within um, the first 20 minutes of the game. I mean, uh, it just – yeah. The, the way everything just was unfolding there and to capitalize on both of those turnovers, um, it just it just it, that's just the way that it went. It was hard for me. To, even though there were big plays made in the second half, it was hard to say any of them were bigger than a few of these, um, you know, in, in the first really quarter and then the first few minutes, uh, you know, of, of the second quarter. But uh, I will say this. So the Tony Pollard thing, um, you know, we only get to see it a little bit at the beginning of practice. Um, during the week, but you saw him out there a little bit more. And so, and including in some sets where, uh, you know, he was out there with Ezekiel Elliott as well. And so this is earlier in the week and I'm thinking to myself, you know, they're showing this stuff, but is this really going to be there on Sunday? Cause I've seen them show up before, or are they going to go with this because they're not going to have Amari Cooper and maybe not have Randall Cobb. And so this is kind of the next step to maybe having a wrinkle in the offense and so it was kind of interesting to see that, you know, you had Amari Cooper, he, you know, he was healthy, or at least as, as healthy as he could be and, and was out there the entire time Randall Cobb was playing. And they still found some ways to, you know, kind of get those guys both out on the field at the same time. I just, I just really think you're in the beginning stages. I think that the more this offense evolves, the more you're going to see both of them back there. And, and the reason why you can do that um, is because Ezekiel Elliott can really block. And you saw a little bit of it in this game, but there's definitely some plays early on in his Ohio State career, and even towards the end of his Ohio State career, where, you know, he was able to be a lead blocker for some of his quarterbacks and on some of the things they did there. So uh, I just kind of want to stress that don't think that everything's been shown, even though we're, you know, at the bye week. Uh, I, th- I still think there's a lot left for, for Kellen Moore to, to show with this particular group. Yeah, and Tony Pollard also injecting confidence and, in, in, you know, that that um, that he can do what, what everyone expects him to do. I mean, that pl- that run that he had when he went off to the right and and got the first down that was uh that was a play that Dak said was well I, I think he said that was the most exciting play of the game for him and so um and so you know he he's also a pick me up for the team you know it's it, it was great and it, it was something we'd kind of been asking for over the last three weeks but I think uh, what John was saying hey it's early in the season you know so we haven't seen everything this offense can do and if the offense is truly collaborative as Kellen has said over and over and over 
then I think it's going to be kind of inconsistent. Um, and you know, I would rather it just be Kellen doing things and I don't, I know that it's not, you know, I would rather it just be Kellen, but maybe I w- I'm asking for the wrong thing there. But one thing I would say is, that, uh, I want to give credit to Brad Sham. Brad Sham had a great analogy really just on the fan base in general, but, but even the season, if you want to look at it in terms of the offense or the defense, that's fine. He said each football season is a, I mean, each football season is a lifespan. And uh, through six games after tonight, you know, if, if it was a 100-year-old life, then uh, the season would be 43 years old. Um, he was like, would you give up on a 43-year-old person in real life? And I'm thinking, no, actually, I probably wouldn't. I, I would think a 43-year-old <laughs> might have some room to grow. So, uh, obviously, the Giants game will, will, get, will, will be a jump, and then we'll be celebrating the 50th birthday party of this football team. I just thought that was a really good analogy and a great way to think about the offense. But if you were, if you had that play, like this is my hope. My hope is that that play is a Kellen thing, and he had that in his back pocket for this night and was waiting and waiting and waiting. That's what I hope. Um, but I don't know, um, or maybe it's something that he's designed on the fly. I hope it's that you know because it, it, the design is so great. The half motion, taking advantage of Orlando Skandrick, all of those things. It's just just the little things that I think we haven't seen or haven't been at least satisfied with over the last three weeks, and then we got some of that last night. So I was really pumped about that. So it's well, there's no up. question. There's no question. One of the big storylines going to come out of this game is that oh, Kellen Moore's back to calling the plays again. You know, these last three games have been Jason, but this is Kellen again. So I, I Kellen think, is four zero. <laughs> I think it's interesting that they don't like to talk. I think it's interesting that they, in general, and by they, I'm saying the Cowboys get uncomfortable. When the topic of scheme comes up, I just think it's interesting. I'm not saying one thing or the other. Um, I know people who will go to their grave saying, no, it's this is all Kellen. And I know people who are also like, no, I think it's everyone's just kind of in the mix. You know, Jason's going to have his say sometimes. And, you know, Kellen's just kind of doing what Jason wants and things like that, which is kind of what I tend to believe. I think when you watch it, you can clearly see who had the main influence that week. I can be wrong, that, and I'm okay with being wrong on that. But it, it just looks really different sometimes. Um, some of it may be based, based on the game scenario. Like maybe that Packers offense that uh, against the Packers that game, if Amari Cooper doesn't fumble, then maybe that offense looks a little different that entire game. But I don't know. I just I do think it's interesting. You think if, you, sec- if you give any team four turnovers, KT, I really think you and I could call the plays and, and you'd win the game. I agree. I think that's the big takeaway. You're plus three in turnovers, right? Could have been plus four. We'll talk about the Sean Lee missed interception in a minute because that's going to be fun to talk about. <laughs> Seven nothing. Eagles get the ball back. Demarcus Lawrence with the sack. Ball comes out, and the Cowboys are on it again. Uh, Zeke ends up punching it in after two really nice runs. It's 14 nothing Cowboys just like that. I, I want to talk about Demarcus Lawrence for a minute because, obviously, he was a bit of a spark. Uh, you know, g- uh, going into the week just because of the trash talk, or at least the, uh, you know, basically the willingness to do something that really Jason's never going to do, you know, and I'm not asking Jason to do that, and I'm not criticizing Garrett. It's not Garrett's MO to uh, get in a trash talk war with the head coach of the Eagles. But Demarcus Lawrence is the biggest real talker that there is. So I th- I, I loved what he said. Um, I think that stuff matters. And I also think uh, the story or the tweets or the narratives of his demise have been greatly over-exaggerated 
And just looking at some of the advanced stats going, uh, you know, going forward, or I mean, going backward, go, leading up into this game, you know, just pressures. He was just a few pressures, you know, short of his pace of last year. A sack, a sack to me is a very fickle stat. A sack is is a it's a sexy stat, and you look at it in the end of the day, and that's kind of how we judge these guys. But man, sometimes sacks matter on who you're playing and. Uh, quarterbacks just being savvy enough to get rid of the ball in a split second. You know, I'm really looking at pressures, and Tank still brought the pressures despite being a top 10 double teamed player in the NFL. So I kind of thought the stories and all the talk of his demise were more related to his contract than they were, you know, actually going, well, Tank's not playing well. Yeah, I don't think anybody says anything if it isn't for him signing that contract in the offseason and then not only signing the contract, but he went and got. Uh, the shoulder surgery got his shoulder cleaned up. And so, you know, everyone was thinking, well, he's going to build on what he did these uh, last couple of years. And maybe he's like a 14, 15 sack guy. Um, and so I think that's that all factors in as well as with him being a big talker. Um, and I don't think that players want to see Jason Garrett do some trash talking, you know, just getting the feel of what I heard this past week. That was one of the biggest problems that, the Cowboys had with what Doug Peterson said is that, well, he wasn't going to be out on the field Sunday night when they played them. And so I think, I think Jason gets that a little bit from his, not only his coaching background, but also as a player as being a backup quarterback and and being on those Cowboys teams in the nineties, they're kind of like, Hey, if you're not one of the guys that like really is the one that makes the plays that is really that, you know, the Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders, Charles Haley, like, why don't you shut up and not talk at all? Well, Demarcus Lawrence is that guy for this team, uh, whether he's playing, you know, the best ball of his life or he's just playing okay ball. I mean, he is a guy that the rest of this team looks to. He's got skins on the wall. And and he, for the most part, when he talks, he backs it up. Yeah, and there are certain players that I think have that role. Like, it, like I, I don't think there's any question that one of the undisputed leaders of the locker room is Jason Witten. But Jason Jason's not a guy that's going to go do that. He's not he's not going to talk smack. But then you know that DeMarcus Lawrence will. You know that Dak Prescott is good for maybe a subtle jab here and there, but he's not going to uh he's not going to outright come out and say stuff like that. So I think there like you're right, John. There are certain there are guys that have roles on this team and some of those roles are you know, talking smack, and then and then other other guys just kind of uh, follow that lead and back it up. So um, I think I think they have kind of like a good little system going there as far as who's going to do what. Like I really only think it's like a handful of guys on on, on each team that can really do that. And because I mean, you even look at like some of the guys in this team that even though they might be starters, if they're running their mouth every week, there's going to be plenty of guys in this team telling them to shut up. That's not your role. Uh, you haven't been around here long enough, and things like that. So. Um, and, and several of the guys that can say that type of stuff, let's say like an Amari Cooper, that's not his style. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he had a colorful quote about Doug Peterson's comments, you know, in the locker room after, but he, but he's not really a guy to sit there and and put out any bulletin board material before a game starts, uh, leading up to the week. You guys know the offensive line doesn't have guys that are going to really do that. It's not really Robert Quinn style. I mean, it's not really Leighton Van Der Esch or Jalen Smith style. So it's like you kind of whittle out this kind of the star players and that really leaves you with tank Lawrence. And so, you know, that's part of his role in this team. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's much needed to, you know, I, I think, I think that's, that's all something that a team like this needs because 
And you know, the Eagles, I don't think necessarily think – I don't think Doug Peterson was trash-talking. I think he just did a, you know, an interview. And I've heard the you know the audio. I think he just did an interview that said, hey, we're going we're gonna to go in. It was more of a message to the fan base than it was his team. Uh, at least that's how I kind of took it. Um, because but Doug Peterson will at least give you something in an interview, and Jason very very rarely will. So it's yeah, cool. I, well, I, yeah, and, and I, on that, I, real quick, I just want to say I only think it's a small, very like sliver in this whole puzzle. Like, and if you did a whole pie chart of this, it's a very small part of what went into how well the Cowboys played. Oh I mean, yeah, him talking like that didn't force Philly to turn the ball over as much as they did. Him talking like that didn't didn't factor in on on that final score. As far as I'm concerned, uh, it played a role. But bigger part of it is division rival in knowing that with what's going on in the rest of the NFL, winning this division is your only way into the playoffs. And so this game is essentially worth more than just any regular game. It's worth like two games because, you know, the Giants and Redskins have, you know, they have no no fight in, in this at all. They're not. Yeah, they don't have any. They don't even they're not even in the conversation. So it comes down to you and this team. And then the other part, and, the, and I think the biggest part of this all, is just the way the team has played these last three games. And, co- and coming off of that three-game losing streak, knowing that you're way better than what you've shown, that stuff all factors in a lot more than than Doug Peterson and anything he said. Yeah, and I thought Dak made made a good comment that I, that I really agree with during the week where he was like, you know, like I would, ho- I, I would hope that he says that. Like I wouldn't want to play for someone that doesn't, um, that doesn't at least believe that. I mean, Jason won't say it, but but Jason, I mean, if you don't believe that you can go go and win a game when both of you guys are three and three, like yeah, I wouldn't want to play for that coach either. So I, I don't think it was. I, I do think that you know, like you said, played a role, but not a major role. Let's because uh, we're not going to talk much about the second half of this game. If we're being honest, um, this game was handled uh, really in the first half. It's I do a talk. Antoine Woods recovers the fumble from Tank. Then Zeke has a big run. They call it down. It was initially ruled a touchdown, but then they, you know, marked him down inside the one yard line, and then he would ended, you know, end up getting the touchdown to make it fourteen nothing. I do want to talk about all the discussion of Zeke as well because that's another guy who, to me, I thought Zeke played his best game of the year last night. Uh, not from a number standpoint, just from a standpoint of. There's the wiggle that I think people have been talking about. I thought the burst was there that people had been kind of wanting. And then we know that he could be a battering ram, and you kind of saw on that drive. To me, it's another thing I thought was a little exaggerated. I think you could kind of see it, you know, that maybe he'd been a little a little slower, maybe want a little more juice. With Zeke, I'm more concerned about his vision than I am anything else um, because he is not going to be like a Le'Veon Bell patient jump cut guy you know sitting in the backfield wait for the hole to open find it like he's just more of a go you know um kt real quick i wanted to point out you know i thought you guys did a great job uh interviewing him i think was was it last week on 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 the cowboys hour last monday yes thank you very much for mentioning that yes yeah and 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 one of the my favorite answers in there just be because i feel like i've listened to every ezekiel elliott interview since you know his final year at ohio state was when he talked about the difference from coming from Ohio State system to the Cowboys system in that in that Ohio State system, like you see a lot of the, the highlights he had, particularly in, you know, 2015 when he led them to that national title uh, and, and, and specifically in those playoff games against Alabama, against Oregon. Man, those were quick hitters. There was no, 
you didn't have to be patient. The hole open, boom, and he was gone. Yeah. And that's just not the same. And it took him a while to kind of get that going with the Cowboys. And so I, I thought it was a really good answer that he gave you guys because I just I haven't really heard him go that in depth on it because that's really Zeke doesn't really like to go very in, in depth on stuff like that. And so you know that was really good stuff that you guys had. Well, I'll say uh, tonight at seven on the fan, it's Demarcus Lawrence and Robert Quinn. So we'll get some Demarcus Lawrence stuff. I would imagine tonight. Um, and thank you for mentioning that. I, I don't know about you guys. I, I thought it was a tad exaggerated, the Zeke stuff. Um, to me, his burst, I think that's very hard to see with the naked eye. But if you're noticing that, that's fine. And I, and I can respect everyone's opinion on that. I thought the burst was back last night. I thought the wiggle and the hole, the, the ability to be slippery, I thought it was there. Um, you know, a lot of people talked about he's not making people miss. I'm like, well, he's not really the type of guy who is breaking ankles out there. He's just going to try to run you over most of the time. And I, I might be in the minority on this, and, but I, for him and what they have on this offense, like I really – I don't even think it matters if he hits home runs. You know, I don't either. For me, what I think he needs to do for this team is that is that run that he did, that 13-yarder, it looked like it was going to be the touchdown – the one where he puts his head down and he takes out Malcolm Jenkins. And, I mean, that is that sets a tone. That's the Ezekiel Elliott we saw against Cam Chancellor, that very yeah. first preseason game he played in up in Seattle. He was going to set a tone. And so as oh, long as he keeps that. doing those, then there's no problems. There's plenty of other guys that can get the ball, make plays, whether it be Tony Pollard, Amari Cooper, things like that. As long as he keeps being that guy, that just I, I believe it brings an energy to the entire team. Yeah, and also I think, you know, when we talk about why Ezekiel Elliott was being, you know, you said his demise was like basically exaggerated and premature. Well, I think a lot of that had to do with the positions he was being put in. And I mean, think of it, think about that fourth and one that they converted. If, if they hand the ball off to Zeke, he's getting knocked back three yards, right? And then we talk about how, oh, Zeke and Zeke doesn't can't pick up the yard. Well, that would be a bad play call to uh to hand the ball to Zeke in that situation but instead they do a play action and get it out to Zeke in the flat and we're having a different discussion so I think part of that uh, over the last three weeks or so also had to do with the fact that you know he just wasn't being put in a great position um the the play calls were were, were not great and so I think that that definitely plays a role in it. and, and hey, real quick on that play I just wanted to say yeah. that uh it's interesting. They called that holding. I don't know if you guys remember. I'm Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. And so I was watching the game over again uh, this morning, and uh, I believe it's Dalton Schultz. It looks like he's going to stay in the block, and he goes, and that's where like it catches Jenkins off guard, and so he just has to grab him because Dalton Schultz would just be wide open down the field. And so the only reason I bring it up is because it made me wonder, would Dak have thrown that to him in that situation, fourth and one? Now, it would have been a home run ball. Or was he looking for Zeke the entire way? I don't know. It was interesting because I know the way that it happened in the game, things went really fast, and you were kind of like, where's this call at on Malcolm Jenkins? Like, whatever. But watching it over again, it was a legit call. You know, that, that's very interesting. So, like, that – but another thing, too, like, you're talking about running the ball and all that stuff. And, again, I'm a big proponent of, hey, let's try to throw it more on first down. Like, uh, teams are going to be loading up, and they, the Eagles were loading up to stop Zeke last night. I think all but two of his carries, they had a stacked box. Um, but one thing that I would say is, like, the Eagles are a team that knew uh, these these players aren't aren't uh, aren't deaf. They they hear everything now. They knew that pass defense is an issue. They know that is their glaring weakness. But they came into the game, I believe, number two in the league against the run. 
And for the Cowboys to be able to just smash him in the face a few times early, you know, I think that sets a pretty good tone and can kind of, you know, make a defense. Uh, I guess, I guess, put them on the their heels. I guess is what I'm saying. So I thought that was huge that they were able to get that going. And then the Cowboys did give up a touchdown. Met 14-7. Jalen got a roughing the passer that kind of extended things in the second quarter right there. Extended that drive. They'd gotten a stop. And then, you know, there was a rough in the passer on Jalen. They ended up getting a touchdown uh, to Goddard to make it 14-7 after another personal foul on Xavier Woods. And then the Cowboys got it back, ended up punting. It was a, an interesting situation because they were on the Eagles 41, and I think it was like 4th and 13 after Dak had taken a sack. So it was 14-7, and I was going, man, are they going to do a field goal? It would be a 59-yard field goal. We know Maher's got the leg for it. And then they ended up punting. I thought that was a, an interesting choice. Uh, it's not one that I had a, a feeling on. I, I, it wasn't for or against anything. I think early in the game, Jason was playing field position there. But I did think it was interesting that they chose not to kick a 59-yarder from Maher, who's shown that he can make that type of kick. I think it's a lot of trust in your defense because yeah. uh, because you kind of saw what happened early in the game and you knew that, look, if you pin them deep, then you kind of get the ball back right there uh, inside, in, you know, within Eagles territory around midfield. So I think that just had to uh, had to do with trusting the defense and also, you know, just the weighing the pros and cons. What if he does miss? Then you're going to give Carson Wentz that short field and you don't want to like it, it takes one play. I mean, you go back to that Packers game that they're driving and Amari Cooper has the drop that turns into an interception. I think that flips the momentum and everything of the entire game. And I think, you know, that that's kind of what Jason was feeling. And, and the defense making a couple of plays early definitely helped his cause. And then they basically would get another stop. Uh, the Eagles tried to run for it on third and four. They get a little handoff to Miles Sanders. Didn't get it. Cowboys get it back. And it's that fourth and one play that you were just you guys were just talking about on the 49. Uh, really the 50-yard line. Uh, I, I don't know about what you guys thought. All for the move. Fourth and one. I know it's an easy thing to say when it works, but I was all for I'm the move I'm actually surprised, going into KT. It. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I was on. surprised he did this. it. I was surprised I'm he su- did it. No, I'm surprised that you're saying that because actually when it happened, I'm not making this up. You were the first person I thought about because I was like, we're going to end up talking about this on the podcast. And just because of when they went for it after they didn't get it on third and one against the Jets, I was like, I bet KT is going to say he doesn't like this call. I, I liked it because I, I just thought that the Eagles' defense, you could kind of do what you wanted with them uh, no matter what. Now, I would have hated it if it was fourth and one and they went three tight ends and uh, in between the hashes and just tried to run it up the middle. Like, I would have hated that. I love the play call. But at the time, I really was going, hey, fourth and one, let's do this here. Let's go ahead and see if we can, you know, uh, get a little cushion on them because – you know, at the time you had stopped, you, you had your last offensive drive, you you moved the ball a little bit, but you weren't able to score. I was I was kind of thinking, let's go ahead and go for it. Now, maybe my logic on all that stuff is is a little flawed. I don't know what the fourth down uh, go for it generator would have said. I don't know what the percentage would have been. <laughs> uh, if analytically that was the right play or not, I'm really not sure on that. Um, but give me that play call or something a little different, something that gets Dak on the edge. And that, to me, is the importance of Tyron Lyle. Uh, MVP of this game, to me, it's Britt Brown and that entire training staff because to have <laughs> those guys ready to go when the Eagles were not able – in fact, all the Eagles guys stayed at home besides Jason Peters. They didn't even come down to the game. Like, to have those guys ready to go – on Wednesday or on Thursday, man, I didn't think that was going to be very likely to get them ready to go. And I think 
that changes things, not only on that fourth and one play, but also the touchdown that they ended up getting when Jarwin scored to make it 21-7. to To get Dak out on the edge, I don't know if you can do that with Cam Fleming and Brandon Knight. I don't think you have time to do that. With Tyron and Lyle, you can trust those guys to manipulate the block properly for that play call and able to get Dak out on the edge. I, I thought that was huge. So uh, props to, to Kellen or whoever designed those plays to get Dak out on the edge on both of those plays. But also, I think props to Britt Brown because that having Tyle and I mean, having Tyron and Lyle really changes how much you can do with the offense. Yeah, and, and Tyron was called. You know, he had some holdings early on, and, and you know he wasn't one hundred percent. It's very obvious. But going back to similar to what I said about Zeke and that Malcolm Jenkins run, it's like it's not even about the uh, you know the talent. Obviously, that's a big part of it. But in some of these games, these big games like that, it's just seeing another guy out there like that. It's seeing, you know, what that does for your confidence to have Tyron out there, to have Lyle Collins out there. I think it just does a lot for the rest of the team. It just gives you it gives you a confidence because you've been in so many battles with these guys. Um, and the other thing I wanted to point out was, too, is when you, you mentioned about them having success, you know, with those guys running the ball against an Eagles, you know, front that's – I mean, it's not like they're just good against the run this year. They're generally pretty good in – and Zeke and, and the Cowboys have had success against him. And it just, when I when I think about that, it just keeps taking me back to this interview I watched. Uh, it was last week. It was before they, they played the Jets. Uh, you know, the CBS crew meets with the coaching staff and usually a couple players um, from each team. And, and so I guess when Tony was done, Tony Romo was done meeting with the Jets, um, players and coaches, whatever, he he did a brief little interview with um, the Jets website, and he talked about how, you know, I think this game's going to be closer uh, than people think because the way the style that they play in defense, you know, styles make fights, which is obviously, you know, common. People talk about that in <laughs> boxing and MMA. And I just, that is very interesting because I, I just really feel like the style and whatever the, the Cowboys are doing, it just seems to work against the Eagles, even though it's, it's, I mean, the Eagles have been good defensively. They've been good against the run, but there's just something about when the Cowboys play them, they just find ways to, to get it done. And that was a situation now where they, they get up 21 seven. Let's uh, for a second, you know, we're kind of, kind of cruising to the end of the first half. And I, again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the second half because, you know, it was, things died down pretty quickly. The Cowboys put them away, you know, pretty good. Let's talk about Jordan Lewis a little bit. Jordan Lewis gets a sack uh, coming in on the blitz right there from our kind of late in the second quarter. And this is right after Leighton Vander Esch went down with injury. Thoughts on Jordan Lewis? Does Jordan Lewis have a starting job when Anthony Brown comes back? I know it's something Cowboys Nation's kind of been clamoring for. Um, I'm not some guy who like can sit here and look you dead in the eye and say, man, I think, I think Jordan Lewis has been better than Anthony Brown. Or I think Jordan Lewis has been better than Cheeto. But I do think he's worthy to fight for fight for playing time, and I do think he's worthy and deserving of more playing time, whether that's starting or not. I think he's a big time playmaker. I, I there maybe there's you know thing little things here or there that Anthony Brown does that uh, makes the coaching staff feel a little bit more confident in, in terms of uh, maybe not taking risks and things like that. But yeah. I just feel like whenever Jordan loses on the field, he makes plays. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, you have to take into account, um, I, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but 
remember they just paid a bunch of those guys from the 2016 class or or they're going to whether it's Zeke and Jalen already paid and Dak is going to get paid well Anthony Brown is another guy from that 2016 class and I don't know if you can pay all of them and so if you and, and if you don't going forward Jordan Lewis might be that guy you know going forward in the future um, if you do have to let Anthony Brown walk um, but as far as the as far as this season goes I think there's enough I think there's enough uh plays out there in the uh, in the kind of offenses the NFL runs that uh that you know they can all get on the field uh for for a decent amount of time and so I don't think you have to pick and choose but bottom line is Jordan Lewis every time he's out there he just kind of makes plays and so uh you have to find a way to get him on the field yeah and I don't even think they have I mean I know they're set and they like who they have with Byron Cheeto and Anthony Brown but you really don't have to set on, hey, here's my three guys. I just think you can work him into the mix more, you know? And if that means maybe Anthony Brown goes and plays outside for a series, you know, and Cheeto gets to sit or something like that, you know? That's just kind of kind of the way I feel about that. Um, and I, if about them Cowboys continues all the way to draft season, and I imagine that it will, we could do 30 minutes on, um, you know, the 26 uh, – or the next year's corner – the secondary – and not talking about the secondary class in the draft, but also contract structure for the Cowboys and free agents, you know, how they'll handle that position going forward. Because I do think Saad brings up a good point. That's going to be interesting to see how they handle Byron and how they handle Anthony Brown. And if you want to extend that conversation out longer term, how they handle Cheeto and Jordan. So, uh, Vanderesh hurt everything good. What'd you hear from Vanderesh after the, after the game? Did you guys see him in the locker room? Yeah, he was in there. Um, I know Cy was by Jerry, and, uh, you know, Jerry, you know, like Jerry always likes to do, you know, he's very positive about everything. Uh, he basically said that he doesn't see, you know, the rib injury with Robert Quinn or the neck injury with Leighton Vanderush being some type of a uh, long-term thing. Uh, obviously, the bye is coming at, at a good time for them. I know seeing the way Leighton was walking in the locker room, seeing the way he was in the locker room, uh, it certainly seems like the way the game was going factored in, into that as well. It doesn't sound like it's it's anything you know very serious or anything like that. So uh, that seems to be a good sign. But like I said, I mean between that, Tyron, you know, I mean that's the thing with Tyron Smith with a high ankle, Saquon Barkley, Barkley with a high ankle. I feel like an old man over here being like, I remember back in my day where if you had a high ankle, you were out like six to eight weeks. These guys are coming back a few weeks later, but. Having this bye week, I just really feel like it just it's so beneficial to the Cowboys right now. I know how they always say, oh, the bye week, this is the perfect time. But, no, it really is the perfect time for this team. I like that they took uh, a lot of shots downfield last night, kind of extended the field a little bit. You know, Cooper, obviously, great catch in the second half. Um, but, you know, Cooper had a, had a big day. Feels like he's getting a little bit closer to getting back. I mean, I know it's easy to say after he has a, has a great game last night, but – the bye week to get him one week ready, and then if, if Cooper comes out in the second half and is 100%, then, man, I, I think you're looking at a whole different dynamic to the offense. So I, I think what you're saying is right on the bye week. Tyron, Lyle, Cooper, get those three guys healthy. I'll go to war with this offense any day because I think the weapons are there. They can hurt you in so many different ways when they choose to. Sometimes they don't choose to, but when they choose to incorporate the Pollards and the Jarwins – uh, you know, it becomes and, and Tavon even when we throw him into the mix. When they choose to incorporate those guys, this offense becomes a different animal. And you know, a bye week maybe get healthy, maybe that opens up a lot of the things they can do. So I, I'm really excited about what the bye week can give. Um, you know, what the bye week can give them. But 
You know, Amari Cooper balled out again last night, and it's good to see that because I was on Wednesday or Thursday not really thinking he was going to play last night. I think the pro- – I well, not the problem, but I just think the thing is with the Cowboys, offensively, I agree with you. There are so many weapons. I mean, Gallup and, you know, like you said, Jarwin. And I, I, I really think Tony Pollard is only scratching the surface. But when these games are tight and they're playing against teams, particularly on the road and tough environments and they're not playing well – I just think that they feel so much more confident giving these plays to Ezekiel Elliott, who might be a little bit tired over a 100% healthy Ray to go Tavon Austin because there just isn't that trust there in a tight game. It's like if we're going to lose, we're going to lose throwing it to Jason Witten on this play or going to Zeke here. Like, even w- what I'm basically trying to say is even though we see this stuff in this game Sunday night, that game got out of hand pretty fast. So that's why you see a lot. I still don't believe that you're going to see that in a close game. If like if that game last night was, you know, a 24-21 type game, I, I don't think that you see everybody else getting involved. I think they tighten things up, and I, I think they stick with their guys. Uh, just that, just how it's been with Jason Garrett's been head coach. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. That's what I was thinking yesterday as well, where I was like, you know, this is this is a perfect situation for this coaching staff and for the play calling where, you know, they do thrive when things are out of hand, but this is the NFL. Things don't get out of hand that quick. And by the way, if your goal is, is the bigger picture, well, you're definitely not blowing anybody. You're definitely not blowing opponents out consistently in January and February if you go that far. So uh, I I think that is something that still needs to, you know, you talk about are the questions answered. I think there's still a lot of questions and John, I, I think that's the number one thing for me is, is, you know, when they are playing a close game, um, which, by the way, there's going to be a ton of in the second half of the season, given the schedule. Um, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what they do. Really, the key part of it all is that, they, it, you know, you don't have to get out to a 14-0 lead. It's to get something, to get out to somewhat of a lead early. That Just the way this team is built, the way that they play, the way that, the, that they are coached, it just lends on both sides of the ball to being having some type of a lead. Because when they play from behind, it just you just don't see them take any of the chances or try anything outside the box. And so with the way they play on defense, keep everything in front of you, don't allow the big play. It just it's built to to play from ahead. And so as long as they can do that, even if they don't go up fourteen nothing, they'll be in good shape. They'll be in, in all of these games and have a chance to win. It's it's also one of those things like I think long term for the Cowboys. And by long term, I mean I'm stretching out the first six games of the season, not looking ahead. I just don't think they have that glaring weakness like the team like the Eagles do. The Eagles aren't going to be able to cover anybody. And obviously they're banged up as well. So, you know, maybe they can cover a little better when Ronald Darby is back full time and, and stuff like that. But I really don't think the Eagles are ever really going to cover anyone well. And that's why they were trying so hard to get Jalen Ramsey. All the stuff that happened in the Cowboys three-game losing streak – there was nothing worrisome. Uh, well, there was nothing hugely worrisome. Oh, there's one thing. There's, there's one, one thing. No, no, no. No, no. For me, they're, the one thing, and it's been this way for a while, is the health of the offensive line. Okay, If you yeah. tell me that Zach Martin's going to be out there and Tyron's going to be out there and Lyle's going to be out there, they'll find ways to get the ball and work work to other players and things like that. I mean, obviously you want Amari and Zeke, don't get me wrong, but like, if this offensive line starts falling apart a little bit, Everything starts to crumble. I guess I would define that though as a short-term issue, though uh, the health of the uh, of the offensive line, like like turning the ball over against the Saints and the Packers. To me, that's a sh- that was a short-term issue. Like that's not something 
However, there's trends saying this is what the Cowboys are. Like the the only thing that would long term concerning uh, concerning would be the management of the game by Garrett in game situations. I think in game situations, I think that was there. And then maybe if you wanted to say run defense again, the Cowboys came into this game a top ten defense in terms of points and yards. Like the sky was never falling. It seemed like it because you lose three in a row, three in a row. But the sky was never falling on them. Like they just played bad for three weeks. And no, it, it's not acceptable. And no, I'm not making excuses. But it's. It's just not – it's not a bad team. Like, the roster is good. It's all there to go win. And, you know, I guess a lot of people could say, well, uh, is it good enough to win a Super Bowl? Well, I don't know, man. But if you're in the NFC and you make the playoffs, especially this year, if you look how loaded the NFC appears to be right now, you make the playoffs in the NFC, you're a contender. I'm sorry. That's what you are. My bigger, like, long-term worry is that they would ever – would have the ability to out-scheme – another playoff contending opponent, you know, three games in a row and go win a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl. That's that's the bigger issue. The turnovers, you know, they're fine. We'll see if the health on the offensive line. I think you're I think you make a, a good point there, but I don't define that as some long-term concern here. Uh, the long-term concerns are all to me they do kind of go back to Jason a little bit and I'm not killing the guy, but they do kind of go back there. My thing is like I don't think he's going to uh out out game plan uh, in a, an NFC contender three weeks in a row to get to the Super Bowl, but no. Oh, and and as soon as you said about the talent, like no, that talent is good enough to make a Super Bowl run. Absolutely, the Cowboys. The Cowboys team is more talented than the New England Patriots, but they have Tom Brady and they have Bill Belichick. But yeah. from top to bottom on that roster, like Bill Belichick, if he was the coach of this Cowboys team right now, they would be if not the Super Bowl favorite, they would be one of the Super Bowl favorites to go. It, you, you mentioned Jason Garrett is the one thing that keeps everybody skeptical because they literally have playmakers on all levels. I mean, they really I mean, they don't really have a major weakness. They've been building for almost a decade to get where they are right now. I mean, you're not really going to get much better team than you might not even have a better team next year. It's not like it's going to keep building like that. You're going to lose yeah. people to free agency. You have to pay guys. This is as good as it's going to get right now. If you're not making a Super Bowl run with this team, I don't know when you're doing it. Man, I, I can't agree more. And I don't really think – if you guys have any closing uh, remarks, anything you guys want to get into before we get out of here, because I do think that's a pretty good pretty good ender right there, John. I think you're right. Well, I do want to say uh, shout-out to Brett Maher because, yes. you know, he's – I mean, <laughs> what – Can't get what, on this what, thing right now. <laughs> I, I'm just saying what 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 uh kind of you know what people have said about him and 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 about bringing kickers in, including including look, I was skeptical as well, and you know he's not he's not that consistent he's not still he's still not the most consistent guy in the world, but I did find it amusing when uh, when we talked to Jerry about it last night. Jerry was like, "Yeah, uh, why don't we just move it back from the five yard line to the <laughs> to the forty and and just let him kick it from there all the time?" And then he was like. And then, of course, Jerry. Oh, I'm just being trite. And oh then, my gosh, uh, trite. and and, and <laughs> yes, but but at the same time, like Jerry, Jerry did say that, and I, and I did find it, you know, that you, that Brett Maher was able to hit at 63, no altitude needed, and uh, and I thought that was really impressive. You know, the Cowboys have proven over the course of time that they will carry four specialists on their team: two kickers, a punter, and a long snapper. 
I wonder if they would uh, go ahead and uh, see if start working at Jeff Heath out as the uh, under 35-yard kicker. Did you guys hear um, <laughs> Michelle Tafoya's report on the on the sideline last night about Maher? And she said she talked to him before the game, and this was like right right before the end of the first half or before he made the 63 yards. And, <laughs> and he said he told her that he felt most comfortable from inside 40 yards. Breaking news. And uh, like most kickers. But – I was like, I don't know if the numbers would reflect that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I want he's been more accurate <laughs> from outside forty yards than inside. Like, it's just funny that he feels more comfortable inside forty when like these longer kicks are what his his mo has been. Well, nothing against him, but there is really. <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, but I don't care. Uh, it won't be the it won't be the first time. It won't be the last. Uh, don't you think it's almost kind of easy? Like, what's the pressure in that? Like, no one's really thinking that you're going to make it from sixty three. That's why they have a guy back there underneath right. the goalpost because they don't even think you're going to come close. So really, how much pressure is there on a 63-yarder at the end of the half when you're just running that's, someone out that's the gym? A, that's been my point, so, John, this entire so, time with okay. Maher. It's that it's like when they're ahead by three touchdowns, this guy is, is great. But Without when they need a kick in a crucial say, point in the game, they're down by two scores, he hasn't been great. Right, but I will say because he was able to, or he has been consistently able to bury some of those extremely long field goals, you also have to understand that, like, this guy, even if you don't want him on the Cowboys roster, he's going to be on somebody's roster because that's a weapon. You know, did you guys feel like that was going in before the kick? Like, what was your vibe right before the kick? Well, no, absolutely not. There was somebody running on the field from the Eagles because they didn't have enough guys. I think they only had 10 guys out there. Someone was running off the sideline at the last minute. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of distracting, like, especially off of the <laughs> heels of that Jets game where, you know, the, the miss that he had in that Jets game, there was something wrong of, I don't know if it was on LP. I don't know if it was on Chris Jones. It could have been a combination. But he started to he started moving up, like taking his first step before the ball was even snapped. So something was wrong with the timing there. And so that threw him off on that miss. And so when that guy came running in off the sideline, I'm like, oh, that's probably going to kind of mess him up. But, like, I don't know, man. He just is super confident because, I mean, he does have an extremely strong leg. Uh, all right. Anything else? Anyone want to touch on anything else? Man, I just want to, I just want to tease to the audience that it's going to be a good bye week here on About Them Cowboys. Got a lot to dig into. Maybe give some early MVP awards. All right. Some you know hypothetical trade scenarios and things like that on uh, on Thursday of this week and uh, next Monday as well. We'll be uh, we'll be back with more About Them Cowboys. Right back at it. All right. Thank you very much. That was the voice of our producer, the man in charge, the captain of this ship, Kent Garrison. He is the captain now. Also, Father John Machoda, also known as the Machete in some circles, but Father John Machoda, more of his press box name, always covering a good Cowboys win. Go check out his article right now that he's posted on the five key plays from the game. I believe he included a bonus play just because he loves you. So make sure you go check that out as well. And also, my good friend, Saad Youssef. Thank you very much, Saad, for your time. Great to hang out with you again. And we're going to do it on Thursday. We'll have another one. We're not going to be preparing for an opponent. We'll kind of sit back. We may may take a look and see what the Eagles have uh, coming up next and maybe look a little bit at their schedule, as well as the Cowboys' remaining schedule. And as Kent said, maybe some MVP awards, maybe an About Them Cowboys award show. That'll be fun. We will do that on Thursday, so we'd love for for you to check it out. Subscribe to us at theathletic.com. And you can also find the podcast anywhere that you listen to a podcast. So, no, that's kind of the best way to say it. 
I'm Kevin Turner, and for the rest of the crew, we will see you next time on About Them Cowboys. First place! First place!